Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, hello again, everyone. So, uh, yeah, can we give it up for the band? I, I feel like... This week, you, you need to know that uh, they were on point with everywhere um, we're going with this sermon. I mean, it is everything we're singing, we're saying, we're hearing from God. So I'm really excited to jump into this. But let me first say, uh, Verona mentioned a little bit about Dollar Club. And I want you to know, we, we are changing the format in which we're reporting back on that. One, because we want to be able to honor all of the stories that are coming in. And sometimes you have to be present to be able to hear it, but maybe you're out of town and maybe you want to hear kind of a fuller story. And this will allow us uh, to, to give you that privilege to be able to hear uh, where is that money going, what stories are coming in, as well as we'll be having some uh, videos that we'll highlight in the services. Again, this is uh, $1 for, you know, every person that, you know, that uh, comes with your group uh, in the, in the morning. And I did want to tell you, though, we had two stories this week, so I did want to, like, stop and say, well, let me tell some stories, though, because these were, these were uh, really, really awesome how God was um, using the Dollar Club. So uh, one, the one that we actually planned for, uh, we had over 2,000 people uh, in, in worship in our services last weekend. And so uh, that $2,000 went um, to a firefighter who had been in an accident, been through four surgeries, and he's got a heap of therapy in front of him if he hopes to walk again. So this is what's happening in his life right now. And he, um, yeah. And you need to know the, the seriousness of it because sometimes you think, well, that's, you know, maybe they were ready for it and everything. Well, he, he's had to refinance his home to be able to afford the care that he's already going through. And so this is above and beyond that. And so we're really thankful um, to be able, and grateful to be able to give that to him in this time of need. So please keep praying for, for that gentleman. Uh, the second thing I want to say that we didn't actually plan for this because uh, someone just, you know, uh, how the idea of the Dollar Club, the idea of reaching out to people just kind of keeps going and God uh, doesn't just keep our hearts in that one space and says, oh, let, 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 what about this? What about this way to give? What about this way to help out someone? And basically, there was a need that had come up from one of our families with COH Espanol, and uh, they had a family member um, who, who passed away and the, the cost of funerals. And by the way, I mean, is it not hard enough to lose someone and then finances come into it. I think that um, the, these are the places where our Lord is very compassionate towards us and cares about us and knows that is a hard, hard, difficult thing to go through. And this was one thing they did not have to go through. A person stepped up and said, I want to give to this family. I want to cover all the funeral costs, and I want to do it under the guise of Dollar Club and do it anonymously. So that happened this past week. And so, yeah. So please uh, keep stepping in with this. We're going to keep going with it. We're just changing the format just a little bit. Well, I, I apologize. I didn't even ask, how are we doing today? All right, all right. Some mixed reviews. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, one of the things that uh, was said, okay, we, we heard good, great. We heard woo. Heard a few woo, which is, it works here. 
This, this works in this space. If you're face-to-face -face someone, it's a little weird. How are you doing? Woo! I don't know what to say to that. I didn't hear anyone say well, and that's okay. It's grammatically correct to say well, I'm doing well, but it's awkward to yell it. So, well, that's just it's strange. It doesn't work, right? It doesn't really fit. Grammatically correct doesn't work in our context. I heard someone say great, and, and that I can follow. I can understand. I know what that means. Great. There's, you know, I have a, a good space to put that in my brain. But good, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes I think we just say it. It's a visceral response. It's like the, the person at Chick-fil-A who responds, my pleasure. It's just built into them. They don't know how to do anything else except my pleasure. So the conversation goes, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for asking. My pleasure. That's, that's what we do. That's what we do with our language. It's really funny and we don't even think about it. So instead, to try to even follow and understand what people are talking about when they say good and what does that even mean, I think we have to listen to the tone in which they're saying it. So they say, I'm good. Obviously, you are. You are. Or, I'm good. Middle of the road. That's fine. We'll leave it. We'll move on in the conversation. Or, I'm good. <sighs> Clearly not. I don't think you're good. I don't think you think you're good. And now I can't leave this conversation because we have to talk about whatever that meant. All right, that's, that's what we have. And it's just, it's our language and it doesn't really depict what we mean and, and what we're feeling, how life is going. And it's not just in those, you know, salutations back and forth, but it's also in our rating systems. We rate things either poor, fair, good, excellent or superior. And so good is basic. It's middle of the road. It's, ugh, it's blah. That's not helpful. But if something's not bad, then it's good. And so it's either this or that. And there's somewhere a line of demarcation in between the two, and we have to figure that out. But if great is in the room, sorry, good. <laughs> you ain't cutting it, all right? Great is better than you. So uh, as it is affecting all of our language and all of our culture, it also affects, actually, uh, companies and their slogans. Theoretically, I think we can agree that a company's slogan is supposed to be their best foot forward, right? It's supposed to be. But even in this space, it comes across as, like, maybe a really positive version or maybe a so-so, it's okay. Or it's ambiguous and you have no idea what they mean. So... We're going to play a little game. You ready for this? Yeah? All right, I'm going to say the slogan, and so you have to respond with the company. Can you hear me now? Good. And someone said yes. Who is that? Verizon. Y'all yeah. weren't ready. <clears throat> Come on, let's do this. All right, so Verizon, which, by the way, the Verizon guy is now the Sprint guy. I don't know what to do with that. I just... That's, just strange to me. Mm-mm, good. Campbell's. That's right, that's right. Like a good neighbor. Come on. I want someone to really stand up and sing it. That one, yeah, that's fine. Everett, who's running sound, uh, he actually sang it last night very loudly. 
It's like yelling, well, it was like that. He was like that guy in the front row last night. This one is a little strange because, um, well, it just is. It's all good. Anybody? Any clue as to where that came from? So clearly it didn't work, okay? In 2001, Buick decided, hey, we need to start reaching younger buyers. And so what were the younger buyers saying in 2001? It's all good. It was not all good. And they, they moved away from that slogan. You're in good hands with Allstate, that's right. Good to the last drop. Maxwell House. My question is, is it good at the first drop? I don't know. I don't know. Finger licking good. KFC, that's right. Good times with that. Uh, my wife has actually taught me to stop licking my fingers in such situations. Uh, don't always lick my fingers, all right? Calm down. It's not like I'm eating cereal and I'm like, bloop, bloop, you know. It's fried chicken. There's so much goodness. That's fine, whatever. All right. Tastes so good, cats ask for it by name. Meow mix. Ask for it by name, because it's meow. Eh. This is the same company that decided liver and deliver rhyme. Amazing. This will totally sell all the cat food in the world. All right. This is a good one. With a name like, it has to be good. Smuckers. With a name like Smuckers. You have to say it like that. The older gentleman from the 70s and 80s, delightful. He had a little whistle. Smuckers. It was so good. Delicious. It came out with goober grape. That was weird. Anyways, all right. <clears throat> the, the last one is not actually a slogan. It's, it's a quote. Uh, there it is. It, it was a quote that's actually found in a lot of their establishments. So see if you know this. It says, food is essential to life. Therefore, make it good. Anyone? Chick-fil-A! Come on! Thank you. Miranda, where were you at on that one? You worked there. Come on! Has Truett Kathy taught you nothing? Jeez. So as you, you see in that whole list, we have just a variety of uses in the word good. And if we're trying to depict the best version of good, we put a modifier in front of it. So we say, so good, or mm-mm good, or finger licking good. And let me tell you, if we're, unless we're talking about chicken, then it's just weird. You can't say that. It, am I right? Okay, how are you doing? Finger licking good. <laughs> Don't say that. Super weird. We're in trouble with that. So why, why are we even talking about this? Uh, I wasn't just bored. All right, so we're, we're actually going, this is the next step in our scripture is into the word goodness. That's actually what we're studying today. And if we can't define good, then don't add ness. It's not going to make anything better because then you just say, my goodness. That's even more confusing. What do you do with that? So I've found, and I think there are probably a few of us have found and studying scripture and studying the Bible and trying to understand Christianity, that it's not actually always helpful to take the uses 
of our, our words in our own culture and try to apply it to the Bible. In fact, the Bible is coming from a culture, is coming from a context. There's something that's happening. There are things that are being said. There are people that are hearing it for the first time. We need to know what's happening in that space to understand what do those words even mean and what is uh, being spoken, what is being communicated, and how are we supposed to understand it. And so we have to consider the culture, the context, and, and thankfully, the, the best gift of all, we have the Holy Spirit right there with us who's offering to speak to us and show us, hey, this is how it works. This is how it applies to you. This, these are the things that I want to say to you in this word. And so that's what we want to do this morning, and especially in a a space where it's like not helpful at all to look at our own culture. We um, can look to the Bible to interpret itself in the word good and goodness. Last week, we talked about, uh, we talked about faith and what it means to grow in faith. That was the part of the scripture we were at. And how actually growing in faith uh, doesn't mean there isn't doubt. See, faith and growing in it is not the absence of doubt. It's the presence of active trust. If you want to grow in faith, you got to learn to actively trust and just try that out. And so in case you missed it last week, I encourage you to go back, listen to the podcast, or pull it up on YouTube. And even if you need a refresher, I'm always uh, in need of that. I was even looking at my notes this week uh, from last week just to prepare for this week. And so we're going to continue in Second Peter, past faith into goodness. And so we're in Second Peter 1, our, our theme verse is uh, in verse 3, and then we'll move down to verse 5. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. And into verse 5, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Would you pray with me? Lord, would you be gracious uh, in this place to speak to us, to open up for us what you mean, what you desire for all of us collectively and then us individually. Lord, I think it's more than what we think it is. And I just ask for you to um, to speak boldly and loudly and specifically to us today. Thank you, Lord. Yes, us in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we're going out today is what is goodness. And I said we're going we're gonna to study the scripture, and I mean that. I mean, we're going to go right at it. So in verse 5, we have this space where Peter is saying, you need to add to your faith, that one that we talked about last week, add to your faith, Goodness. This is the first step you're going at. Okay, that's helpful. We can, we can follow that. But where does that even come from? Where, how do we understand that? Well, this is not the first time that he mentions the word goodness. Um, it's always helpful to look at um, um, words that are repeated in Scripture. There's usually something going on. There's a theme going on. It's helpful to pick up on those things. And so in verse 3, we actually see, um, we see his own glory and goodness. God called us by his own glory and goodness. So it's helpful to see, okay, well, if we're going to add to our faith goodness, where is this goodness coming from? This is coming from God. This is not goodness of our own. This is not good that we can just conjure up. This goodness is coming directly from God. 
Here's what you need to know if you want to talk about context and culture. These, these listeners, these readers of, of this letter, the first ones would have known, okay, Peter's saying his glory and goodness, God's glory and goodness. They would know, they would think back to this conversation that Moses had with God, and they would be reminded of this. So here's what happened. It's a really interesting situation. So Moses is coming down the mountain. He's got the law of God with him, just coming down, all right? First thing he sees, they've made a golden calf, and they're worshiping the calf. Moses, not a fan, not a big fan of that one. He got angry, and he threw the tablets down and broke them. He was just, you know? So he had it with him. He throws it down. They have their whole little thing, you know, this little spat back and forth. But then kind of an awkward, like, well, we need some tablets still, so let me go back up. Hey, God, well, you already know, so can I get some more, you know? So that's happening. So God's going to give him more tablets of this is the law, Moses, don't mess it up this time. So that's going to happen, but this is the conversation in between those two spaces. Exodus 33 says, Then Moses said to God, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And so Moses asked, like, hey, can you just, can you just show me your glory? I want to see you for who you truly are. And God responds, I'm going to show you my goodness. Now, here's, here's what happened in that moment. God had to explain to Moses, hey, When I say goodness, you don't even understand how good it is. You don't understand how glorious I am. I've got to put you in a special place in the rock, and you can only see the small of my back, or you would be destroyed. That is what would happen to you right now, because it is so powerful. I am so powerful. And so I'm going to to let this happen. This is going to be great. You're going to love it. You're going to come off the mountain. You're going to be shining and glowing, and people will be like, what in the world happened to the guy? but you can only see part of me. That's what was happening in this moment as God is showing his glory and his goodness to Moses. And into, into chapter 34, God, as he is moving, is saying these things. And God passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. As he is showing his goodness, he is saying what is good, like what is truly good. And he's naming it. It's compassion. It's grace. It's being slow to anger. It's abounding in love. Not just abounding in love, but maintaining love. It's not easy to maintain love for people because people can be jerks sometimes. <laughs> and you have to maintain love even for the jerks, okay? So this, this is a difficult order. This is hard. He says, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. This is goodness. And so if we're going to understand goodness, we know that we need to know that it's not just a characteristic about God. It is who he is. His core identity is good. If anything is good, then it's coming from God. Because God is good. He does good. And if we're looking around the world, we need to be able to name it. Now listen, I know that so many times 
the question comes up and we, we get hung up on why do bad things happen? We might say that. And we might say, why do bad things happen to good people? And there's a struggle with, with suffering and pain and trying to understand where is God in any of this? Now, I've, I've got much compassion for that conversation, and I love being able to talk to people about that because that's a struggle. Um, but I, I think that our God is very near to us in our struggles. Here's how I want to reframe that, though. Why does anything good ever happen? We are in a broken world. A broken world cannot produce goodness. If there's anything good in our world, we need to recognize that God is at work, that God is near, and God is actually loving us and being gracious with us. And all those things he named as he was walking in front of Moses, he is doing those things. He is those things. And we need to see that in our world, that God is good. God does good. And when he created us, we actually were created good. I mean, before brokenness came, we were created good. And I think there's still part of that in our identity. See, we were made in the image of God and we can choose to tap into that and press into that and say, Lord, would you bring out within me that thing that you stamped on me when you made me? That part of me that's like you, I want that to come out. I want that to be not just seen, but experienced, embodied to change me, to change those around me. And so God is good. God does good. God's creation was initially good. And as Verona called it out, the things that people meant for evil, God will work for good. He takes broken things and he puts them back together. He actually makes them beautiful. He redeems them. And it is good. And it's not just God who is good. But we saw in Scripture, that Jesus himself is good as the Son of God. He is uh, both fully God and fully human, and he himself is good, doing good. We see this in Acts 10. It says, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. He was doing good. He had power to be able to do good. He had God with him through the whole thing, doing miracles, doing what was right. And not good or right how you and I might sometimes define it. Like those potato chips, they were good. Again, we're like, we really water down what we think is good. This is truly good. And so our response to understanding that about God, experience that with God, is to dwell on his goodness and behold it. And uh, in Philippians 4, Paul says this. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And that word praiseworthy is the same word, good. If anything is good, it's coming from God. Think about those things. Take those things in. 
If you, if you want what is coming out of you to be good, then behold the things that are good. Behold God himself, and that will come out. So this weekend is, of course, MLK weekend, and, and we stop and we honor MLK um, on his, his birthday. It was, um, I think, January 15th, actually. And so we stop and honor him, and, and actually, we truly, we honor um, those who, who went through um, the whole civil rights era along with him. Let me first say, hey, I get it. I'm, I'm 35. I'm about to be 36. Obviously, I did not live through the civil rights era. I'm not going to seek to imagine or understand what that whole thing was like. But let me say that I'm, I'm thankful for any time when people um, fight for those who don't have a voice, fight for those who can't fight for themselves, who see injustices and make it right. I'm thankful for that. And, uh, and, and honestly, I'm thankful for a place where we can come together. We're coming from all different stories, different backgrounds, different races, different ethnicities. And I love being together, okay? I love being together. Because heaven's going to look a little bit more like that than if we're separate. And I'm just thankful for that. And so uh, Dr. King was in the midst of all that, and, and he was imperfect like any of the rest of us. Um, but he, he said this quote, and this is a quote by you know, a man who just allowed God to, to use him for goodness that was going to come out. He said, there is within human nature an amazing potential for goodness. And what he's tapping on the human nature, he's tapping on how we were, we were created in our identity, the original plan. That's what he's hitting on. There is potential, amazing potential for goodness. And it's not something, again, we're just creating on our own. This is coming from God to take up, to embody, to mirror in him. And so this goodness is possible to attain to you, but let me clear one little misconception up. There's, there's one little thing we got to talk about. Goodness is not moralism. Goodness is not moralism. The temptation for many of us would be to look at this and say, add to your faith goodness. Oh, okay, yeah, be a good person. That's what that means. And it's not. That's not it. There's so, uh, so many in our, our nation and in our world who have this idea, if, if I'm just a good person and I do good things, then I'm, I'm going to end up with a good life and I'm going to go to heaven and hopefully the good will outweigh the bad. But that's not what we find in Scripture. It's just not. We have no uh, foundation for that. In fact, in Isaiah 64, the question comes up, how can we be made right with God? How can we make up for our sins? How can we really be kind of forgiven of our sins and have those wiped away? And the answer is all of us have become like one is, who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Here's what that means. Because sin has come into us, and I'm, I'm sorry, spoiler alert, we're all sinners in here. It's okay, I'm not judging you, that's just reality. But because we're all sinners, because that has stained us completely, 
Just one would stain us completely. Because of that, anything we could try to do that is good, that is righteous, is like a filthy rag. It is nothing. We can't do this on our own. It's not possible to do it on our own. And continuing in in Psalm 53, this is the same story, and it, it gets a little more direct. It says, everyone has turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. You're like, Eric, thanks for the word of hope. It's that we're not doing it in our own strength. We are not the creators of good. God is the creator of good. It's not coming from us. And so we can't fall into the temptation of just thinking, as long as I'm a good person, as long as I have good morals, as long as the good outweighs the bad, it's never going to work that way. And at best, it's a gray area. You're going to be constantly ridden with anxiety of, am I good enough? Am I good enough? Here's the awkward thing. Jesus invited a lot of bad people to heaven (laughs) because good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. Got to remember that. Apostle Paul, in Philippians 3, he is convinced that goodness is not found in himself, but only in God. He says this, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Here's what he's saying. In order to follow God, I had to lay down things that I was following instead of him. But all of that, this is what he says, I consider them garbage. It's all garbage compared to Christ, to knowing Christ, that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. What is good, what is right, is coming from God. When I have faith in Jesus Christ, that's when I'm tapping into it. So a lot has changed uh, since moving down to South Florida and in our, in our world and, and, and my life, maybe not your life, but... Uh, there's a lot of stuff behind that. I got a kid now, so that's great. That's awesome. Love that. He, he is somewhere on the premises. Actually, I can see him from here. Okay. Is, is he good? Okay. All right. No thumbs up. It's fine. So that's happening. But also just moving from a different part of the country to a new part, there's so many things you experience. And one that just calls out to me is so many fruit-bearing trees I've never been around. This is not normal for me, okay? So as I'm walking around the neighborhood uh, on Friday with the stroller, hanging out with Redding, and, uh, and then I'm just looking around, looking for the next coconut to fall down and try to like, you know, sweep it quick enough or like pull the shade over him and bounce off so it just doesn't hit him in the head. Uh, actually, the first thing that hit him in the head was a, a pumpkin. Um, it's, I actually did happen. That's not a joke. Uh, <laughs> I was juggling, and it got a... Anyways, all right. It's a bit awkward. Anyways, so... But it's weird having the coconuts, and in our backyard, our neighbor has this vine coming down, growing potatoes. Where are we that potatoes don't grow in the ground? That is not normal. 
It's weird. Air potatoes. Not indigenous to Florida, but they're in my backyard. That's like a lot of things, right? Anyways, uh, and we have the, the bananas that aren't really great at all hanging over from one neighbor's yard to um, all this stuff going on. But then the, the seller of the house uh, told us, hey, here's, this is an avocado tree. Oh, what? I can have one of those down here? That's incredible. And they were like, well, it's Florida avocado. Well, still, I don't care. It's avocados. And I'm going to tell everybody it's avocados because they don't know any different. I'm just going to send them pictures. It's going to be awesome. In fact, uh, this past year, even though it had not produced yet, we have a picture of these little baby avocados. This is incredible. And there were hundreds of these things on the tree. And I was so hopeful. And I was like, this is going to be great. We're going to have a kid. And then the avocados are going to grow. And then the kid is going to eat the avocados. And it's going to be good because it's already like mashed up fruit anyway. So this is going to work out for him. He's going to love it. We're going to love it. It's going to be great. And then we ended up with like six and they were terrible. They were just the worst, like really, really bad. And so here's the deal. I'm, this is my invitation to you all. I'm not from here. Okay. Please tell me, tell me how to grow these things. What do I need to do differently? I've been doing fertilizer. I trim the tree. Tell me something else besides those things so I can actually grow these. And I'll tell you how to grow pecans, okay? And that will be that. That'll be, that'll be the interchange because that's what I know. If we're going to understand more about goodness, we need to understand that goodness is actually a fruit. Uh, goodness has a source, and it's not from ourselves. We see in, um, actually in Luke 6, Luke says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Logical statement. You can follow that. But each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Anything good that's happening in the world that's coming from people is coming from their heart. And that heart is connected to God. And so if goodness is a fruit, it's given when you are with God, when you are spending time with him, when you're putting your life in front of him and saying, Lord, uh, come into this space, come into my heart, come into uh, my life. I need you. He's going to pour down his goodness upon you. And that fruit is going to come into your heart directly from the heart of God and out into the world. And the best thing I love about this is that we can store it up. We have a place to put it. It's not like in the middle of me praying is the only time I will ever do good. God's giving us enough um, to keep going throughout our day. He doesn't hold back. So this is something, this goodness, that when it happens, when it comes out of your heart, it really stands out in the world. And for one last time, I really need to challenge what you guys think about goodness and what it truly is. God's goodness was going to melt Moses' face off. Is that surprising to anyone? 
come on. Like, where I'm from, the best way we describe good is like, oh, that was slap, slap your mama good. That's what we'd say. I don't suggest doing that. Saying it is probably not great either. But when we're in a space where we say, this is melt your face good, like that kind of good, that when God would have shown his face to Moses, he would not be able to stand it. And honestly, I love that. I love that we don't have a way to describe good. We don't have a way to describe God's goodness because it is beyond our thinking, it is beyond our language, and we just need to, to stay in a place of awe. Stay in a place of like, I'm never going to understand this, but I'm going to keep coming back to a place where I can experience God's goodness. And that, that's all I need. I don't need to explain it. I just need to experience it and show it to others. That is a great place to be. And while I don't know that any of you will be shining or glowing like Moses as you leave this place today, I do believe that God offers goodness to pour into you and pour out all over the world. And I think that will change the world. When that kind of goodness comes into our lives and into our environments and communities, worlds change. It matters. It means something. But we find in Peter, uh, the, the first letter of Peter, he says this, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. This kind of good people can't argue with. They see it and they can't say anymore, God doesn't exist. They can't be okay with the fact that they hate God or they have issues with God. They're face to face with the reality that that person's different. That whole part of our community is completely different because God is working, because God's goodness is coming out and he's actually not out to get us. You can't avoid it anymore. We have to address it. And that pagans would even praise God for it. I don't know about you, but if our church were to close down, I would want people to march about it, to bring us back. I would want it to mean something. I want them to say, I hate that they closed down. I hate it. Why in the world would they ever do such a thing? It was so good for our community. It brought goodness into our lives. I want them back. What a great goal to attain to. And so in all this, I know what could be most helpful is something a little more practical. And I, I want you to, to consider Micah 6.8. In Micah 6.8, Micah says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. What is good? These three things. And saying, making a space where the truth of God can come into your life. Where the grace of God can come into your life. And it is both. It definitely is both. There's this space where we receive the truth of God where we say, oh, yeah, that, that part of my life, that's got to be different. Oh, Lord, you're right. And to be convicted of things that aren't good for us, 
And so we receive the truth of God, but we don't stay in that space of just conviction. We move next into the grace of God where the Lord says, hey, that, that stuff that I did on the cross, my blood covers all of that. And I want you to be a different person. And now I'm going to keep shaping you and receive God's grace. And as we move from that place, we give that truth and grace out to others as well. Uh, we're both honest and loving with others, knowing that that's the best thing for us. Earlier, before the service started, this wire in my mic was just hanging out everywhere. And, and you know, thankfully I went to the bathroom and I was like, okay, that's got to go. That's awkward. They're like, no one said anything to me about it because they were probably trying to be real nice and like, oh, poor guy. Poor guy, he has no idea. Being, being truthful and being gracious is to come near to one another and say, hey, I know this hurts to hear this, but I think it's the best thing for you. God's done it with me and it's changed my life. And the next thing that we do is we walk humbly with God consistently sitting before him in prayer, reading his word, listening to him. And in those places, he showers his goodness down on us and shows us where to take that goodness to. And so as we're looking at the rest of this year, I encourage you to step into growing your faith. Step into this goodness that God's offering, constantly offering to us. Let's tap into that and and press on. Would you pray with me? Lord, forgive us. Forgive us when we have dumbed down your words and we've compromised what you meant for us. But Lord, let that not be the banner over our lives. Lord, let your goodness be over us. Father, I ask just uh, your grace would come down now, Lord, that every heart in this place, Lord, that you would not hold back what you have um, for us, what you desire for us, Lord, the truth, the grace, the goodness that only comes from you. And so no matter where we're at today, Lord, come near to us and draw us near to yourself, into your presence. And help us to experience the goodness that we can't describe. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we, as we pursue time with God, I want you to consider Psalm 23. And I'm, I'm sure that there are a lot of us in here who are familiar with this psalm. But I want you to let these words just kind of wash over your soul as you consider spending time with him, pursuing him, and what it means to sit with him in his goodness. And I really want you to pay attention to the last verse in this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We dwell with him when we sit with him and we are beside still waters in this calm place. The Lord showers over us goodness and mercy. Keep coming back to this place. And he won't hold back. So go in his peace, go in his grace, and go in his goodness. And we'll see you next week. God bless.